0: All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining.
1: They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's down to seven seconds. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh, they did it. A miracle. It. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it off college basketball it's not the size of the dog in the fight
0: it's the size of the fight in the dog
1: welcome to the big bets on campus podcast presented by nobody right now ho ho folks out there if you want a sponsor let us know i am your host today jim root we're talking college basketball i'm joined by the rest of the three-man weave crew Kai McEwen and Matt Cox. Guys, we, we are still in the era or, or the week stage of COVID crippling the sport and, and taking out a lot of games, but we are still getting some games and we are more than willing to talk about them. We give a ton of previews on this episode. We've got the usual segments coming up, of course, led off by the live dog of the week. But Kai, Matt, anything you want to interject on before we hop right into this lovely outline we have prepared? Oh, Jim, I'm ready to grip it and rip it, man. I love talking college hoops. This is my passion, my dream. So you used to say that about auditing in the accounting world, and it was dripping with sarcasm. But now <laughs> no, it's actually not this time, though. Yeah, there's there's sincerity to it. It's nice to hear. Yeah. Matt, you good yeah. to go Kai's, as well. Kai's just the
2: kind of guy. Whatever he puts his mind to, he's going to excel at. You know, it's like whenever you hear that anecdote about like Michael Jordan. If he wanted to be a architect, he would have been the best architect ever. Like that's kind of how I feel about Kai. With whatever he's doing, in whatever chapter of his huh. life he is. So I think it's an honor, a privilege to join to have him join this program on a weekly basis, Jim. As for myself, I'm okay, just average, to be okay. honest.
1: Not really I like to go on record that I just don't average. feel that way about Kai. So oh, I'd like to knock him down a peg see. or two. Wow. Yeah.
2: So feel free to settle somewhere in the middle between my glowing review and Jim's apathetic review.
1: Yeah, so, apathetic. That's, that's where I put it. Uh, no, we're, we're, we're excited to be here and we are going to get right into our favorite section of the week. That is, of course, the live dog of the week. Bark, bark.
2: Where's my dog? Uh-huh, there's my dog.
1: All right, guys, last week, quick recap. Four of the – I think like five of the six games we discussed got postponed. Dayton, Rhode Island, James Madison, Towson, South Alabama, Texas State, Idaho, Portland State, gone, 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 gone. But Gardner-Webb and Georgia played, and Kai, you know who won? That would be Gardner Webb, the, the G-Webb running Bulldogs. Yeah. Turns out if it's Bulldog versus Bulldog, the one that's running – is greater than. That's so, advantage. advantage. Yeah. Well Georgia done. looks like five Ugas on the floor playing
2: defense at about the pace of a true Bulldog. That That's, was kind of how
1: I saw it, Jim. That is well done, Matthew. They were they were dismal. They continue to be dismal in the SEC. We'll or see Tommy how it Cream. starts in league play, but yeah, Tommy, Tommy Cream does not have it moving in the right direction. All right, guys, let's start the discussion on this week. Again, we'll go in roughly chronological order. We will cross our fingers that these games will actually be played and we will hopefully be correct on some of our forecasts. The first one I wanted to start off with, this is on Wednesday. So tonight, when you're listening to this, hopefully, if you're prompt and you're listening, uh, this is Valpo headed to Northern Iowa. Man, Valpo's been a different team with Kobe King, guys. He's He's been a new scoring element on the wing. But the concern here is that Thomas Kithier missed last game for the Beacons, no longer the Crusaders. And Matt, Austin Fife, though, was not really himself, barely played for Northern Iowa. So maybe that negates the paint advantage. Do we think the beacons have a chance on the road?
2: Yes, we do. Northern Iowa, a team that we I think are coming around on after some roster issues to start this season. I think they're starting to show signs of being one of the perennial favorites in the Valley, Kai, but they're a high variance team and you want to attack high variance teams as favorites in these live dog situations. And by that, I mean, outcomes can range from really good to really bad and it is all rooted in their defense, which has been a little shaky to put it kindly. And you get a game where you might have the best player on the floor. I think we can all agree A.J. Green's better than Kobe King, but Kobe King's capable of outplaying A.J. Green in any given day, on any given day. And uh yeah, Jim, of the ones you wrote down, this is the one I'm officially endorsing. I know we're trying to be more draw a line in the sand in terms of ones we actually are going to play versus ones we're just sort of like, yeah, that sounds right. Nah, that, like this is one I'm actually probably going
1: to play. Right, right. I just want to be clear. Uh, you know, we don't want to discuss 12 games and brag about all 12 or something. We want to yeah. be very set on which ones we are truly endorsing Kai, do you uh, have the same perspective here? Uh,
0: You know, I I don't think they're going to win outright, but I think they probably cover the spread. If Thomas Kithier is in the lineup, he's obviously the major linchpin holding this thought together, I think. I think if he was out, you guys probably wouldn't take Valpo in this situation, out right. True. Valpo played at UNI twice last year; they actually won one of those games, so they're they're capable. That was the worst Valpo team, probably the worst UNI team as well, without the AJ Green lineup. I like them as a dog, Jim. I'm not I'm not sold on the money
1: line. All right, I, just, I want to build off Matt's key point here. I think it was that this is high high variance, and it is because of the amount of threes that happen in a Northern Iowa game. They're 48th in the country in the most threes taken, and they give up a bajillion. 354th -hmm. in defensive three-point attempt rate. They give up a ton. So you're really subject to shooting luck, and in a game that's not going to be super up-tempo, it really does come down to who's knocking down shots. And if Valpo's just a little bit hotter than Northern Iowa, they can definitely win this one outright. So like Matt, I am also officially endorsing the Beacons on the road at Northern Iowa. That is a Wednesday night game. Let's move on to the next one I have written down. We will also, of course, add any additional ones that Kai and Matt, you know, have tickled their fancy as they prepared for this episode. But this is Friday night, guys, in the MAC, Metro Atlantic, Marist headed on the road to Fairfield. Matt, I'm starting with you again because you wrote our MAC preview on 3 and you yes, threw Fairfield into the dumpster, had them uh-huh. in the last place, and they've been proving us wrong a little bit this year, but Marist has been better than expected as well. They have a freshman point guard in Zhao Etuka that has become a shining star and has raised the ceiling of that team. So we think the Red Foxes can win on the road.
2: Yes, I do. I'm trying to find the official fan board backlash that I was given by the Fairfield native there. They're just completely oh, they, they me. on me. Eleventh, really? Oh, I can't wait until Jay Young has this on the bulletin board for material for the guys. I'm like, I'm sure they're right. There's not like a three page framed preview section on the Fairfield. Like it's a Notre Dame play, like a champion. They, they walk out of <laughs> the tunnel, they slap the three man lead preview. Okay, Fairfield's good. We had guys emerge. I didn't think would emerge. I don't, I have to concede defeat when the signs are there and the, so far they are, but I like Marist, man. I think these two teams are basically the same in terms of competence. I don't think Fairfield, especially when they're hosting Marist deserves like four points for home. Um no. So yeah, I like the other uh, Red Fox. This is Jim, not an official one for me, but I do think you have the right angle here. I think you're, you're stepping out something
0: good. I do like Marist here, the conference records of these two teams. So Fairfield's two and <laughs> in the Mac Marist is one and two, but that's highly misleading, right? They've played Iona twice. They've played hands down the best team in the league two times already, and they were competitive both games. They covered both games against those teams. Arguably Iona. should have won both. Like they yeah, had a beat and, and, then, and kind of melted late, yeah. I am a believer in this team. I'm a big John Dunn guy, fantastic coach. I think he's got the pieces finally to actually make noise in this conference. So I do like them here as a little
1: Moneyline special, Jim. Yeah, Marist, why not? We Rick go. Smith's yeah. alma mater. Yeah, it's only five on Ken Palm, kind of what we're using as a proxy for spreads right now. So it's not going to be a mega juicy money line, but everything with Maris has been, okay, they're great defensively, but how high is the offensive ceiling? This little froshy Ituka has been so good. He's raised it for them. I think that gives them uh, some value here on the road. All right, next up, heading to Saturday, got Nevada heading to Viejas take on San Diego State. Wolfpack have been much better without A.J. Brahma in the lineup. You've got a duo in the backcourt, Kai, and Sherfield, and Cambridge that can really go off at any moment. San Diego State has some roster questions too. Maybe they get Butler and Trey Pullian back for this one from injury and illness respectively, but they could be rusty. And there's a chance you have the best two guards on the floor with this Nevada team. So am I onto something here or is, is this something where the show and the home court advantage is going to assert its dominance? I think you're kind of onto something here. Pulling in Butler, obviously important. They didn't need him against
0: UNLV. That was an impressive win on the road against the Rebels. But against Nevada, who I, I count as a competent team, and yes... You're correct. They've played a lot better since Brahma has left the team. Chemistry appears to be much better. Don't worry about the Kansas thing. Everyone is going to lose big to Kansas in that situation, except George Mason, I guess. Kudos to them. A little extra angle there with Kim English as a coach there. I do think there's a possibility Nevada wins this game if Pulliam and Butler are out, Matthew. I'm probably not taking it as a money line. I respect VA House too much for that, but it's a good idea by Jim. Yeah, I usually respect Vejas.
2: I can't imagine that venue is going to be packed to the brim, just given what's happening in the outside world, outside of our basketball cocoons. I also just don't love San Diego State on offense at all right now. They are very one-dimensional, like Matt Bradley. I know he's got big old brawny shoulders, and he can shoulder press 500, 10 reps each. But I mean, he's got a lot on his shoulders when it comes to carrying this offense right now, especially without Butler and Pulliam. And yeah, you mentioned the Packer back on track, man. Steve Alford knows this conference. I think this line has gotten, it seems a little high, just given the Kempom projection. It doesn't quite reflect, I think, the current form both teams are in. I like the pack a lot, Jim. This is my second official
1: play within your uh, your initial group of options. Interesting. I'm actually not going to endorse this one. I'm, I'm with Mount Valpo and Maris, but I'm, I'm not going to fully endorse Nevada here. I'm not quite on board. I, I do like Nevada a lot. I think there's upside here and there's variance in this game if Nevada can speed it up. But I'm just too scared of Aztecs at home and, and the potential advantage that that offers them. The fourth one that I have before we move into some longer shots, some Matt and Kai's favorites is Virginia heading on the road to North Carolina. Now, Virginia's been bad. Let's be very clear and upfront about that. North Carolina as a seven-point favorite on Ken Palm. But what's intriguing to me, guys, is that Tony Bennett has owned North Carolina. And of course, that was Roy Williams, not Hubert Davis, but he is a disciple of the Roy Williams coaching tree. Before Roy retired, Virginia had won and covered seven straight games. They were an underdog in three of those. And he was 14 and five against the spread against Roy in the 19 meetings that they had. Well, they were both at Virginia and UNC respectively. So Matt, do we think that Tony Bennett continues that dominance or is the, the Hubert era enough of a, a break free from the history here?
2: Not a lot to like about what Virginia's done on the hardwood. I do th- think they're the right side here from an ATS perspective. I'm not going to take money line, But Kai, UNC, until they prove they can defend consistently night in, night out, it's tough to trust them as a heavy hitter within the ACC. Although in that conference, it's basically like a, no one wants to take its Duke and then there's stratospheres between Duke and whoever the second best team is. If you're betting dogs in this conference in general, I think it could be a good strategy this year just for
0: betting the ACC in a nutshell. Yeah, leading Virginia on an ATS standpoint, I don't think they're going to get it done on the money line. Uh, worth noting, this is the best UNC outside shooting team since 2005. They Maybe don't they have the full season quite yet, but they're shooting 40% from deep. I kind of buy that, but I also think UNC has this variance to them. These guards are, are still pretty erratic. Even you know, Caleb loves playing better as well as Walton they can miss a lot of shots and they will take a lot of shots. So Virginia's pack line is forcing them to be jump shooters like they usually do and they're missing shots, Virginia could definitely sneak in there experienced uh, coach, obviously Tony Bennett going to have them ready to play this game.
1: Yeah. I was really impressed in North Carolina in their game at Boston college. They looked really crisp offensively moving the ball. They looked smart defensively with their rotations and the way they were kind of helping the helper and, and getting into gaps, not really something we'd seen from them early in the season, but that was Boston College. And in this game, they're going to be forced to play in the half court. Virginia will grind the tempo against anybody. And as Kai mentioned, turn them into jump shooters. And if those aren't falling, then you get a little bit of variance here. So I'm tempted by this one, but I'm not going to officially take it either. I just think Carolina is on the path to asserting themselves as that number two team in the ACC. Let's go to the longer shots here, fellas. Some of the little bit larger spreads or even just any games that kind Matt of matter intrigued by. Matt, I put this one on here for you because you went to bat for the Vandals last week and they didn't get to play. But now Idaho is going to be something around a 10-point dog at home against Montana State. Do you endorse your Vandals? I don't know. I've watched Montana State play twice. (laughs) Wow, what a convincing answer. They are categorically
2: bigger, stronger, tougher, more physical. And usually when you're looking to back a team from a dog perspective, especially as a money line, I don't like that my opponent has easy avenue to points. And I think Montana State can score at will if they want to. And they set their mind to pounding it inside, getting on the glass, second, third shot opportunities. But hey, Idaho, Mikey Dixon, they can go 14 or 30 from three and anything can happen. That's kind of why I think Idaho in general is probably a good money line dog team to circle throughout the conference plan. They're going to have some stinkers for sure, but they, start, they have some upside. I can't get behind them. I know no. they're not good. I'm no not thanks. saying they're good. I know they're not good. I'm not saying they're good. It's the, no it's, a, it's a bad team, but they can play well.
1: Can play yeah. well. I, I think Montana State's just like super well coached. I think at some point, yep. Danny Sprinkle is going to be stepping up the coaching ranks into like the Mountain West and eventually maybe even power conference type stuff. He, he rocks. So I'm staying away from that. That was just a, a Matt treat to see if he wanted to really back his Vandals. All right, next one. I got Baylor. Heading on the road to TCU, number one team in the country, heading to Fort Worth. Kai, do the horny frogs have enough juice to get it done here? It's going to be their first game since December 21st, so this might have been just a little bit too much wishful thinking. Wishful thinking, Jim. I am the king
0: of wishful thinking, and even I do not think this game is going to happen. Uh, No, TCU is not going to win this game.
1: No, oh, poor frogs, Matt. You feel the same way now. Baylor's
2: I think uh, I heard Goodman or Parrish on the CBS sports pod talk about how I think Baylor's like 15 and two or 15 and three on the road. The last few years in the big 12, they truly treat road trips as business trips, bunch of adults That's team you're not going to fade anytime.
1: Okay. Let's move on to the next one, because I think this might be my favorite money line play of the week in terms of value yeah, and value just the potential for it to happen. Uh, we've got Wichita state, Heading on the road to Houston. Now, Ken Palmaz is at 15. I certainly do not think the actual spread will be that high because the injury issues that Houston is dealing with. But even as like a 12-point favorite, you're going to get a pretty nice, juicy money line price. And Houston is totally ravaged. They played like seven guys against Temple. They only played three guards. And Wichita State can spread you out. They can make the game mucky. They're going to struggle on the defensive glass against Houston's barrage, but they compete. They competed against Arizona's much bigger front line on a neutral court. I think the Shockers have a real chance here, Kai.
0: Yeah, it's worth a sprinkle with all of Houston's guard issues. Now, Kyler Edwards is not too far away from returning. And when he gets back in the lineup, I'm not as keen on fading him, even without Sasser. But I think this is a good one. Wichita State is well coached, didn't show up against Memphis. Maybe a little bit of a tough spot for them, but this game I think is one where they can get it done and it's worth a money line sprinkle gym. As you said, the value is huge. You're going to get a really nice price on the money line.
2: Yeah. I mean, Ken Palm showing at 15, I'm sure it opens closer to like 10. And so yeah, your well, value won't be 10, as strong, 12. but still, at anything where you're just transferring the point spread to the money line price, it's going to be in the ballpark of a low double digit money line type of price. And I think that's great value. There's value here. Wichita State's the ultimate cockroach. And they could have the best player on the floor and Tyson Etienne if he catches fire like he has
1: done a few times this season. Yep. So I definitely endorsing Sprinklin, Wichita State there. Uh, And then my last one here that I have guys that I'm also going to officially endorse as long as they're fully healthy. This is something we have to wait and see, I guess. Indiana State at Drake on Saturday. Drake. Laying 10 per Ken Pomeroy, I, I would guess maybe it's right around there, especially with Roman Penback. Maybe it's even a little bit higher because the Bulldogs might take some money. But I love this Indiana State team. I love the way they run offense. They've got two wing creators in Cam Henry and Jabo Bledson that followed their coach from Division two. so they know the system in and out. They run really pretty offense, Matt. And Drake hasn't been the same team this year that they were last year. So I think this one's worth a shot. Indiana State is a live, live dog. I like your angle on ISU blue, as
2: we call them. I'm sorry, it's Jordan Majeskin, so lovingly coined them. Majeskin, Majeski, Majeskin, Majesku, Majeskin, Majeskin? <laughs> Majeskin. Let's get, let's add an end on last on his last name. Um, I think they're awesome. I love how they have this unfamiliarity advantage within conference play. You haven't played them. You you can watch film, but until you see up close, I I think that does give them a slight edge. However, I do think Drake's a buy low right now. And the Missouri State game, to me, Roman Penn looked a lot better. He looked pretty quick. He looked like his old self. They missed a lot of open shots in that game. Almost Um, all
1: of the open shots, in fact. Like, Like, like I think one one for 16 for deep. Yeah.
2: Yeah, like, you know, you make three or four more. That game's a different. We're writing something different about that game. I just like Drake in general. So no, Jim, I am out on this one, but I like your general ISU blue angle long term.
0: Yeah yeah, same. Definitely looking to bet Indiana State in conference play, but not at Drake, not after a loss. No, thank you. It's too
1: bad, guys. I will take my my units <laughs> and rub them in your faces. Go. Home. All right, Matt, Kai, anything you want to add? Matt, I know you've got one written down here. What are you looking at?
2: Yeah, Bradley at Laola. I'm staying in the Valley, Jim. My Braves are starting to turn it around and I just got beat in a spot they probably shouldn't have lost to Indiana State. But they should have just have lost. Definitely should have lost. Uh, the money was all over, Bradley, and they were all losers. And luckily, I think we stayed away. But I think this is a bounce-back spy here. They should get Deshaun Henry back, although I've said that before, and it seems like this concussion nice. protocol keeps lasting. seems like it's actually dragged on longer than some of the COVID stuff. But they're also catching Loyola, the blurs, off a long pause themselves. I know they could end up playing a game before It's Saturday. officially
1: scheduled. They're playing it's officially in, now
2: in Salt Lake City. Yep. And so I'd say it's only the flight back then to Chicago. I think it's kind of a tough spot for the Blurs. I know they'll actually have a game under the belt, but it's still a tough travel. I think Bradley's a live dog here, man. The way they defend, the length. um, If this game plays lower, which I know they was playing faster this season, but I think it should play to a lower number, should help you as a dog. Um, And again, it's a value play. I mean, it's going to be like a 13 point spread probably. It's going to be probably low teens. Similar to the point Jim was, we were making about Wichita. So again, it's all about value with these money line dogs. I think the Braves are a pretty good hit here.
0: Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. Loyola Loyola hasn't lost to Bradley since 2019. It's not going to happen. Not not that
1: long. Two years ago. Yeah, this is a different Loyola team, though. I mean... Yeah, it is. Two and a half years ago. Yeah, Loyola last year, it's basically the same team. They're juggernaut top 30 type squad. If you're you're not in an Indiana State at Drake, I can't get there on Bradley at Loyola. So maybe if it was their first game back off the pause, but I think they're going to be closer to running on all cylinders after that San Francisco game. Quick recap of what we got. Valpo, Marist, Wichita State, and Indiana State. Matt, what do you got? Valpo and Marist,
2: I agree with you. And I'm also going to take Wichita. Also agreeing with you. I'm deviating from you on Indiana State. I'm
0: taking Bradley as my hill Mary. And Kai? I like Marist and Wichita, Jim. Those are good ones you identified. So go those teams. The Fox and the Shock.
1: We'll judge how well that went in a week, and we will be brutally honest with ourselves if we stunk, or we will be loud and proud if we got them right. So, All right, let's move on. Next section, Blowout City, guys. Fire in the hole. Oh, this place about to blow. Last week, most games got axed. Texas A&M covered the Ken Bomb spread that we discussed, 24, but they did not cover the closing spread of 27, mm. so that one's tricky. And then Rutgers went one for two. Blew out Central Connecticut, but not Maine. Grand Canyon did not blow out Chicago State. And UAB murdered UTSA. UAB is designed just to destroy these bad teams. Let's get into this first on Wednesday. We've got Bethune-Cookman at Florida International. It's a 14-point spread at Ken Palm. This one is weird, Kai. Why is this game being played? Both teams are starting to get in the conference, and now they're doing this one outside of league play. Tough to get a feel about who cares in that regard.
0: Yeah, it's it's super dumb. I I really I really am not sure. It's a look ahead for FIU to Western Kentucky. They're playing one of the best teams in the conference on the road three days after this game. I can't imagine they care much about Bethune-Cookman, a team they assume they're going to walk all over. And then Bethune-Cookman goes right back into conference play on Saturday after playing on Monday. So, yeah, Jim, it's a battle of who cares more. I tend to lean FIU, but if the spread's big, man, I don't know. I I don't think they're going to blow them out if they just like, eh, who cares? Who gives a shit, right, Matt? Yeah, hey, this game's also at 12
2: p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. Yeah. So if you listen to this episode, check your watch. Make sure it hasn't already started. It might be going and on. Right right now, yeah. might be going around, A little live bet opportunity here. Um, or hop in right away. I kind of agree with Jim. I do think FIU is built to completely dismantle brittle opponents. And Bethune, even though it's a short travel just across the state at Daytona, I'm not really a fan of this Bethune team. I know they have some talent, but it seems more guys who have flamed out that are looking for second, third chances that just really aren't that good.
1: I don't fully endorse this one either. It just it was such a weird game on the schedule. I thought maybe FIU could blow them out, but it's just such an odd dynamic in terms of motivation. it is slim pickens in general within this group. Yeah, that's yeah. Once that's you get fair. to conference play, it's a little tougher. But let's talk a couple of these potential blowouts in conference play. We're gonna start on Thursday. Murray State headed to Eastern Illinois. At first, guys, I was like, Yeah, I think this one's great. Eastern Illinois sucks. Murray State's offense is lethal. But then I remembered what happens when Murray State goes to this building. It is weird. It is crazy. Two years ago, Murray State led by 23 with seven minutes left, 54 to 31. And they lost in regulation 63 to 60. That's right. That is a 32 to 6 run to end the game. It it was one of the most insane endings I've ever seen. I was on Murray State. I lost my mind as it was happening. They were a 99-plus percent chance to win for 10 straight minutes in the second half and then completely collapse. So that happened two years ago. And then last year, was like a JV version of it. Murray State up eight with four minutes left. Then they lose 74 to 68, 18 to four run to end that one. So, man, maybe this one should be on live dogs, guys. That what's going on here, Eastern Illinois. Oh, Illinois stop just, it. Right. EIU yeah, is
2: awful. We all know that. I respect you providing both coins here of the argument, both sides of the coin to this argument, Jim. But Murray's just different this year, man. They have the old underachieving juju from the last couple of seasons. That's now extinct. Uh, this team's the real deal. And I think they're playing like it with the confidence that is oozing from wins at Memphis, at Chattanooga, a team kind that I love. Um, Being Nuga by double digits was like, holy cow, Murray's the real deal. That's when I was sold in this team. So I'm in. Race on.
0: Yeah, you have to think Murray remembers those two collapses. Also, they were swept by EIU last year. They lost in the uh, at home. So EIU is like two and one against this team last two years. Now, two years ago, EIU was actually pretty good. Last season, Murray had one of the weirdest years for a good team in the COVID realm. They weren't as good as they usually are in McMahon this year. They're all the way back. They're awesome. They're going to challenge Belmont for the title in the OVC. And like Matt said, Eastern Illinois is putrid, one of the worst teams in the country. I think this happens. Murray State is going to blow
1: them out. You should get just like the hyper-motivated, big favorite here. Like a lot of the guys on the same team, like Tevin Brown is going to be like, I've been a part of two collapses in this building. We need to take care of a horrendous team.
2: Do we want data? Are we data guys here? Or data guys? We love data.
1: We love data. Kai's more a data guy. I'm a data guy.
2: You mentioned Kai. Murray was... Perceptionally, a bad year last year, right? Underachieved, struggled. Um, I have some ATS stats from Belmont, Moorhead, Murray in conference play. The theme is basically the OVC's non-elites are so terrible. And I think there's actually value Not blindly playing the favorites, but looking to attack those favorites in the right spots. Murray was actually 10-11 in conference play last season. They were basically 500, as badly as I thought they played. Now, Belmont was 14-9. Moorhead was 16-7 against the number. This season, I think the OVC's dregs have been even worse. So in general, I'm looking to kind of poke at these crappy
1: low-end teams. Oh, that's a fun little transition, Matt, because next team on here is Belmont minus 21. They're hosting SEMO. SEMO just gave up. 106 points to that Murray State team you mentioned, lost by 25. Yes, that means they scored 80, but Belmont is arguably better than Murray State. So what do we have to believe here, Kai, that SEMO can compete? I feel like the over <laughs> is yeah, SEMO overs.
0: SEMO overs. Yes, Simo is playing so fast this season. And yeah, they can't stop anyone. I mean, even giving up 79 to Austin P is just brutal. But they scored 98. They can score, they can get out and transition. Yeah. Belmont is not a team you want to. Fade in general. I, I do think this game is going to be close to 80 possessions. So I do like Belmont here at minus 21. It'll be bigger, of course, because Vegas odds maker is always shade towards the favorite. But I, I think Belmont's going to be the pick
1: here. I'm with you. I, I think Belmont just absolutely crushes them, scores 100 plus for sure. So go Bruins. All right. Two more quick ones. The dregs of the entire country playing good teams in their league. That would be Mississippi Valley State on Saturday, headed to Prairie View AM. Our master Ken Pomeroy has it at minus 23. I would guess higher. Although Prairie View is coming off a COVID pause, that's the one thing that gives me some hesitance. But Matt, Prairie View has been playing like an insane gauntlet of a schedule. They have to be so excited to play inferior competition for basically the first time all year.
2: Yeah, and I don't think this Valley State's going to shoot like 15 of 30 from three. They just were in their conference opener. That ain't sustainable. And I think this one gets ugly pretty quickly. I think like 30, 30 plus turnovers is in play yep. for the Delta Devils.
0: It's going to get ugly, and, and Prairie View actually has a game against Southern uh, on Wednesday prior to this game, which I think is huge if you want to bet Prairie View in this situation. I think Prairie View is going to struggle in that first game back against a very good Southern team. It's going to be like a reprieve coming back home finally. It'll be their first game of the year, home game of the year, and they might be 0-1 in conference play. If they're ready to win a game. They're going to blow them out.
1: The old get-right game this is going to be fun where a team that might have zero wins on the season is yeah. going to be like a 25-point favorite. <laughs> <That's> craziness. <laughs> yeah. All right, last one. IUPUI, maybe the worst offense in the entire country, SWAC and MIAC included, headed to Wright State. And man, if there's one team in the country that can't take advantage of Wright State's poorest defense, it is IUPUI. This also feels like a get right spot, Kai. I, Wright State's had their issues, and it is a, a get right spot. Get uh-huh. get with the with the <laughs> W. Hope, Dude, doing, I saw, hope everyone's uh, getting that.
0: <laughs> I have thought that. Right state's okay, gonna you. get right for games and games and games upon games and, and you so have not far, been right. <laughs> no, they're awfully stop, upset. They can't stop anybody. But to Jim's point, IPUI cannot score. So Matt, I don't like you to bet on any either of these teams. I know my number going to say bet right state, but they've let me down so many times in the past. I don't know if I can get hurt again. I'm not ready to get hurt again.
2: No. Nope. I've been scarred. It's a toxic, poisonous relationship I'm looking to put in my rear view. Just looking at Wright State's last two conference games, they squeaked by Milwaukee by five, squeaked by Green Bay by three. I, I just think they're also content coming off last season when they blew everyone out by a million. They're like, hey, we just got to win. You know, they're six and seven, they struggle. But hey, they're three and one looking at the conference standings like, hey, we're actually not in a bad spot, all things considered. And I think that comes into their mindset where they don't have the same like, we're going to put you away. That they had last season, especially in the back to back spots. I'm actually looking to fade right state here as, as a favorite in this conference going forward.
1: Right state against IUPUI. I will be on right state. IUPUI is terrible, terrible, terrible. They are so bad though. This is the so one where right state actually wins by 35 or whatever and inflates their value a little bit in the market. By the way, right state was at IUPUI twice last
0: year. They won by 28, they won by 30. that was a much better IUPUI team. Yeah. And a better Wright State team, to be fair. But yeah, so that's that's an angle, Jim. Good job.
1: All right. Power game of the week. We've got five games here. We won't dwell on any of them too long because, hey, we're probably going to have two or three of them canceled because that's the way it works. Uh Uh, But Wednesday night, tonight, that is Alabama at Florida, the big one in the SEC. Matt, you you had this uh, little razz of poor Florida and what they did in the month of December. They failed
2: to beat a single top 200 team. They lost a home to Texas Southern. That team's a SWAC squad, not an SEC school guy. And uh, they knocked off Oklahoma and Maryland. whoop fucking do It was kind of where I <laughs> end up on that assessment. Hey, I think they're better than we thought, but they're not like trending toward top 10 good. Like I think we were maybe suspecting they could get to early on. I think Bama takes care of business here. I know Florida's defense is really good and can be a, a neutralizer to the penetration, the high-octane off- offense that Bama has, Kai, but I think this is awfully short, and I'm looking to to hop in on Bama when I think some people are starting to ride them off a little bit.
0: Oh, I mean, they they got back against Tennessee after that Davidson loss, and guess what? I The same thing is happening now. I, I respect home floor in the SEC, especially for good teams like Florida. I think they get this win. It's their first SEC game. Mm. I think they take it to Alabama. They D up a little bit. And, and yeah.
2: We're assuming it's like a two-point spread, right, Jim? That's like our assumption within there.
1: I'm completely torn on this one. I think Alabama's better, maybe not categorically so, but close to that. But I don't think the matchup is great for them. Florida's strength is probably their individual perimeter defenders with Fleming and Daruji and McKissick and even Appleby. And like that's what you need to do against Alabama. If you keep them in front one-on-one on the perimeter, they get really frustrated. They take bad threes over the top. And that's when you have the like, Six of 28 shooting game from Alabama where it's like, oh, they're cold. It's like, no, they're just taking crappy ones. I'm I'm fully split on that one and will ride the fence on the tide, even though I do love NATO's. All right, next one, Ohio State at Indiana. This one is Thursday, probably a slight favorite for Indiana. Uh, Ohio State coming off a COVID pause, needed overtime to win at Nebraska. Indiana just lost at Penn State, but that one was a little bit asterisk with the insane shooting that the Indiana Lions had in that one. So shaky efforts for both, Kai. Which one do you think bounces back with a good effort here? Yeah. For those who didn't watch the Penn state game. I mean, we're talking
0: turnaround, fade away, 25 footers for Penn state. We're, and we're going yeah, in end of shot clock, step back shot quality, a site we like a lot had that game as a 10 point win for Indiana based on the quality of shots. The expectations have been actually going to the basket. Indiana, man, they have no Q1 or Q2 wins. They, they need this. Not only are they one and two in the big 10, they're, they're at-large hopes are in jeopardy. And going into the year, we thought no way that was going to be the case. This team has so much talent. We, we believe in Woodson. They do have a top-15 defense. I think that's for real. They they have so many good athletes on this team, so much depth. The problem's been guard play, Matt. The turnover's been terrible. Yep. I mean, Xavier Johnson yep. does stuff yep. sometimes. I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, what's mm-hmm. going through your head? I do think they can get right here. Assembly Hall better be rocking on Thursday. I think it will be. Oh, it will be. be. Oh, it so will I'm, be. I, I'm leaning towards the Hoosiers, getting this back. Hoping to have them as a dog, honestly. I doubt it's a dog.
2: I, I think if it does open there, I feel like the, the early money is going to smash it to IU flipping to a favorite here. I love the Hoosiers in this home spot. Um, my alma mater allegiance is notwithstanding. Indiana has played about as we thought they would this year, just looking across at a macro level, but they haven't closed out games. They've struggled to put away teams they should have beaten. I thought Syracuse multiple times to win that game. Wisconsin, obviously the infamous blown lead. And then Penn State, I mean, just execute late down the stretch. Maybe Penn State doesn't hit a shot blindfolded and they could easily be 13 and 0. So I think just because IU doesn't have that marquee one and they're not really like in top 25 consideration, they sort of get swept under the rug. But I think they're a top 25 caliber team. And this matchup's really good, man. Their strength is inside Jim. And that's where Ohio State lives and breathes.
1: I love Indiana here. I think if you're getting pick minus one, that's fantastic. A massive, massive home spot back against the wall. Desperate team against Ohio State who did not look very good. Probably would have gotten beat by 10 or 15 if the freshman Malachi Branham didn't Branham went like bananas 35 right? experience yeah, yeah. so uh, I I love the Hoosiers there all right next one also now we're moving to Saturday three three big Saturday games Kansas probably a short favorite at Texas Tech Terrence Shannon status mega up in the air for the Red Raiders Now, the one thing I looked at here, guys, Texas Tech's played a crappy schedule, but they have not had a single good home team come to town. So, like, they haven't had the home hype crowd opportunity, and this is the ultimate chance against Kansas, the big brother of the conference. Kai, do you think they're able to get it done even without Shannon, or do you think they need him on the court to be able to back the Red Raiders?
0: I think they need Shannon if you want to back Texas Tech in this game. Um, as as much as I do like Texas Tech this year, I think they're a good team. I think Kansas is another tier above them. I don't think, Matt, that it's going to be a one-point spread, as as Ken Pomp suggests. I think Kansas is going to take money. Um, mm-hmm. I hope it doesn't get too far up there because I'm probably looking to back Kansas here, even on the road in a hostile environment.
2: Yeah, Texas Tech is, we still don't really know a lot about them, right? They Their schedule is pretty neatly def- segmented into cupcake, tune ups, and like marquee games. I don't think they've played poorly in those marquee games. Uh, like IU, they're still searching for that big underscore headline when maybe this is the, the spot for them to get it. But I, I'm with Kai. I think I, just the way KU's playing right now, I don't want to get annoyed that team. I think Baylor and Kansas are both on a collision course for, you know, just a couple of losses when it's all said and done in Big 12. They really separate themselves from the rest of the pack.
1: If you gave me. 100% Terrence Shannon, I would be on the side of the home yeah, crowd type exactly. spot here, but he might not even play at all. So got to lean towards the Jayhawks in that perspective. All right. Next one, the SEC, Tennessee headed to LSU. LSU had a nightmare performance at Auburn. They scored one point in the first 11 minutes or something like they that. Showed they showed up late. to the, I think they got there like a few minutes late. Yeah. Took forever to get a field goal. Yeah. Now they're playing Kentucky on Tuesday night. We were recording this on Tuesday, so we don't know the result of that game, but Matt, this is a monster defensive battle. Two awesome teams on that end. Do we see any points? I hope we see enough for Tennessee. I like the Vols,
2: but I always like the Vols. I'm just trying to find the right spot to back them. Seems like I've been getting bad prices or bad situational opportunities when I'm looking to get on the, the Vol bandwagon and screen Rocky Top, but just haven't yet. I think this is the the spot for me here. I guess I'm rooting for LSU to maybe win against Kentucky. Right. Right. To set up for a little bit of letdown, kind of that ebb and flow emotional deflation there. Yeah, you don't want to go into desperate type. No, especially at home where the, I just feel like they're really just a better team. A lot of these, as Kai mentioned, you got to respect SEC home court, especially. Not just because they're good at home, but because a lot of these teams don't travel as well. Uh, I think that does create value opportunities. Kai, what are you looking at here?
0: Yeah, LSU, prior to this Kentucky game, they're about to play the day of recording. LSU's 8 0 at home against the spread. It is a very good home team, but you're right. If they beat Kentucky here, they're moving up in the analytics. And hey, maybe Tennessee struggles with a little miss here and in sort of a, a weird valley of a spot before they play LSU. I think there's definitely value on Tennessee if LSU wins, if Tennessee struggles with a little miss, and get those analytics a little bit different. Three or higher, probably in towards Tennessee.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of like the Vols too. I think both these defenses are great, but Tennessee's offense is a little bit better. LSU's offense can be nightmarish. So I'm also hoping LSU beats Kentucky for the reason of, of setting up the spot. All right, last one, power game of the week. The battle in the mitten. Michigan versus Michigan State. This one's at Ann Arbor, Wolverines hosting. Slight favorite per Ken Pau minus two. I guess it's a little bit higher. I think Michigan still has a little more respect from the odds makers and the market. But man, Michigan State's been pretty good. They, they were able to pull out the win at Northwestern and the cover. Matt, which side are you leaning
2: Yeah, I mean, based on what happens this week, I think both have games before this weekend showdown. I'm actually really curious where the odds makers open this. They've been a little bit all over the place with rating both teams. And the way Michigan's been, Jekyll and Heidish at times, Sparty's quiet emergence, I think, lately makes this a tough one for them to handicap. I'm hoping to catch uh, Michigan anything at a field goal or less, Kai. And that's even from a guy who's been really high on the Sparty subtle resurgence.
0: No, I, I have not given up on this Michigan team and, I, and this is the great spot to buy back in on them against a, a rivalry game. Michigan state did not look crisp against Northwestern and Michigan is certainly better than Northwestern in my eyes. Obviously Michigan state's hyped to play this game, but Michigan is too. They need this win more than Sparty does. Michigan's going to be coming off a game at the rack. That's going to be a tough game for them as well.
1: I, I think Michigan bounces back here, wins this game, covers the spread. I love it. Love the bold, the bold call there. Pretty mixed results in the past. I don't think there's really a pattern we can find from is overs Howard or these two programs against each other. Pretty balanced ATS history. So yeah, I kind of lean towards the home team. I think like the SEC, Big Ten home court is very, very important. Perhaps maybe the most in the entire country in terms of these leagues. So lean towards the home team from all of us in the Wolverines. Guys, let's go to mid-major game of the week. And we'll have a quick trash man pick in our spotlight section. In the mid-major world, I just have to mention that you know we were Pretty high in Western Kentucky, especially you two were to get the win mm-hmm. at Louisiana Tech, and they should have, Matt, but they choked it away, unfortunately. Yeah, they do that sometimes. It's all right. Yep, but they still did cover. Team. They did cover. Yeah, we're, right. right still, on still, yep. still won the ultimate game, Jim. The ultimate. All right. Big battle for SoCon supremacy tonight, Wednesday. Chattanooga headed to Wofford. Now, Wofford is 0-1 after taking the loss to VMI to start league play, but could definitely still make the argument these are two of the best three teams in the league. Chattanooga, I think the favorite per projected records at Bart Torvik and Ken Palm. So what do you think happens here with these two, Matthias? I really wanted to back Wofford. Uh, I've had them pegged as like a team I just
2: like in general and potentially a low value or a high value team because they did lose one of their best players and seem to have not skipped a beat since. But I watched Chet Nuga play East Tennessee State. And while I know it was a very favorable matchup in the fact that ETSU was missing key big guys, I love Nuga, Kai. The Silvio mm-hmm. D'Souza resurgence it has been written about now a few times, I think he's in store for more national inc as Nuga will inevitably run rough shot through this conference. I did not think I'd be saying that there's a clear-cut favorite at this point in the year for any team at the SoCon as balanced and as good as it's been. But I am sold hook, line, and sinker. On the mocks.
0: Top 30 offense right now in
2: Kempum for Chad. What don't they have? They got all the pieces. Yeah. They're big inside. They got shot makers. It's like yeah. Lamont, Paris, well
0: Street offense. It's check, check, check. Yeah, they're they're awesome. Wofford, it's one of those teams that is so well coached and just so solid year in, year out that they can win this type of game at home. Even though Nuga is the big, bad favorite in the SOCON, I don't think Wofford is going to be intimidated. And they certainly can board on, on the defensive end. They can put up a fight defensively. Short, short spread i probably lean towards Nuga, but I would not be surprised if Wofford takes this one.
1: Yeah, I think the the lack of uh, missing Messiah Jones is going to hurt them here. It's not going to be painfully obvious, but I just think kind of in between the lines, it's going to be like, I wish we had that one more athletic forward to compete here. So I, I do lean towards the mocks. UAB North Texas on Thursday, Mean Green, a minus one favorite per Ken Palm. Guys, I will be sprinting to the counter to bet north texas in this one i've been waiting for a good spot to fade uab a team that absolutely demolishes bad teams at home over and over inflating their value if this is minus one i love north texas here kai super well coached they're not going to turn the ball over against uab's pressure uab doesn't have a crowd to feed off of with that pressure and they can compete on the glass I i love north texas here on thursday
0: yeah a little scared i i don't like to fade uab they they're Really, really good. Like, really, really good. But North Texas is awesome at home. They have one of the best coaches in the country. I tend to think UAB is going to be favored in this game, but I, I say that. God, and I, I hope so. The market is on North Texas quite a bit. I, mm-hmm. I, they're on both of these teams. So I, I'm curious with the push and pull, the tug of war is going to be or Matt, in the market. I'm probably a wait and see type of guy. If it's plus one, maybe for North Texas, maybe a pick, I'll hop in on the mean green. I'm less running to the books as Jim is. And I'm more so strolling along.
2: Yeah, I'll probably prance there, Jim. So you'll beat me. Don't <laughs> bet it too big. So you can save me some line value, please. But Kai, you're right, though. I've been surprised that it seems like North Texas has been taking money. And it's they a do. team that I wouldn't think would be a market darling with the roster turnover they had last year coming off, you know, the monumental win over Purdue in the NCAA tournament. A lot of key pieces there in the backcourt. I like North Texas though, man. I think if you get past the first wave of pressure of UAB, they look mortal and not invincible as we've seen them look so often this season. And it's just a well-coached team. I think Grant McCaslin won't have, uh, they won't be
1: shell-shocked by the Blazers' pressure. Yeah, my guy, Tyler Perry, has been just phenomenal for North Texas. The, the Juco edition, giving Mary's them the offensive is... pop. Yeah, the, the offensive pop that they needed with the graduation of JV on Hamlet. So roll North Texas. All right, on Saturday, we've got a game that we hope happens. St. Mary's headed to BYU. We're not sure St. Mary's is currently on pause. Hopefully, they're out by then. Uh, they've got a couple of days to get there, but still unclear. Kai, St. Mary's has a clear edge in the paint with Toss and Fotu, and the mm-hmm. lack of bodies that BYU has turn this into a half-court game. I think that is a an edge to the Gales. I kind of like them as a dog. Ken Palm listed it as a four-point spread.
0: Yeah, if it's four, I'm taking the Gales. Love this team. Love this team, Matthew. St. Mary's.
2: Yep,
1: Gales. Have I think inserted... I bet Gales every time this year. Like, if they're playing, I'm probably going to bet them. That's just kind of my rule. They have inserted my guy, Gus, Augustus Marchulionis, into the into the starting lineup over Tommy Kuzi. And it's kind of worked. Kuzi's given them a little more scoring pop off the bench. Marchulionis is getting acclimated to a high major ball. I think that team actually has a little more upside than we thought coming into the year because of the freshman Marchulionis mm-hmm. there. All right, let's go to the trash man pick of the week, guys. It's trash time.
0: The Trash Man Pick of the Week. I'm the Trash Man. Just throw me in the trash.
1: You're garbage, and you know it.
0: Totally unreliable. it. Really? Undependable. Really? That's it. You've been told off. How do you
2: like that?
1: Good. I don't think there is a better pick on the board than the directional Michigan battle. It's another one in the mitten. Western Michigan at Central Michigan on Saturday. It's two of the worst defenses in the entire country, and that is no lie. By adjusted defensive efficiency, they are both bottom 15 This is ugly. Both these teams have really, really struggled to start this season. They both have new-ish coaches. Matt, I don't trust either one. I don't want to watch this game. I hope one team wins by a thousand just to set up value for next game.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, We're just rooting for selfish outcomes in any regard. And that would be one of them. Uh, I guess, which team do you hate less, Kai? I hate Central
0: Michigan less. I, I think Central Michigan's going to beat them to cover the spread. Minus four. Yeah, they're a lot better, I think.
1: Yeah, we certainly hope so. They should be. Western Michigan's got injury issues. Their point guard, b Artist White, has barely played this year. Yeah. Central Michigan closer to full strength. They don't have the excuses that Western Michigan has. That is the trash man pick of the week. Let's get to our last section. It is the spotlight section, and we are looking at teams coming off of long COVID pauses. Matt, how much are we taking into account what we saw last year with teams on COVID pauses and applying it to this season? Do we think they're similar and we should use that info or is it kind of a different atmosphere this year?
2: I think it's a good baseline, and there's been a lot written about, published on Twitter, people doing just back then back analysis, people have written about it at length. It, teams coming off pause, I think, roughly are around like two to three points worse on average relative to the expectations without that pause. Now, this year, anecdotally, it seems like it's not been as big of a deal. Um, I don't think the pauses are as dire as we saw last year, Kai. So with that in mind, I think my advice is don't just blindly fade these teams. Is it a situation like Colorado State where every single guy had and they haven't practiced in three weeks? or is it a situation like Seton Hall where it's just really two guys, those are isolated, and the rest of the team is practicing, and it's not as big of a deal.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't understand why it's not affecting teams more, at least the ones that we've been kind of fading for that purpose. And SLU is a perfect example. Richmond was a bet that we pretty much all made, assuming SLU was going to be rusty coming off this COVID pause. We know they didn't practice very much, but they ended up having majority of their roster in, which kind of goes to a bigger point. The roster uncertainty is the biggest thing here. You know, it seems like teams are bouncing back better with lack of practice, but we don't know who's in the lineup and out of the lineup. And that's really the key in in this. It's kind of a crapshoot. It's not an automatic fade as it was
1: last year. Yep. I think that's the key. Don't just blindly bet against COVID teams. I don't think it's going to be profitable, A, because it's built into the line in almost all cases. And B, these teams have just been better than you expect coming out of pauses so far this year. Uh, But let's hit on a couple of the bigger schools that are coming out of long pauses. Uh, We just saw a few... Like I mentioned, Florida State, St. Louis, Penn State succeed out of pauses, so maybe these squads will too. Start with UCLA, Kai. They have not played since December 11th. It feels like it's been a month, and oh, it has been. That's why. Uh, They're supposed to play Arizona State this week. That one is already canceled. I know they're trying to get in a game before they go to Cal this weekend, but man, if they don't, Golden Bears a live dog. Maybe uh, Cal's played a lot better lately, too. I mm-hmm.
0: Yes, the type have. of I think the type of team I'm looking to fade now that I'm like reversing all of my previous thoughts here that I'm looking to fade off of this is a team that's rated super high in analytical rankings like UCLA 10th and Ken Palm. I'm sure they're up there in Bartovic as well. The spread's gonna be big and I, I think you're less likely to cover a big spread as a favorite coming off of a month long pause. There could be more rust as a factor plays more into those type of spreads, Matt. So this probably is a good opportunity to fade UCLA. I wouldn't do it too often because this team is awesome. But yeah, I think Cal could be a really nice play. Yeah, I love Cal. I kind of agree with
2: your point there, Kai. It's basically like as a large favorite, the teams that are coming off pause are going to be less in sync to like put a team away. So maybe you're actually looking to bet larger dogs against teams coming off pause in general there. Uh, Jimmy, you have a few more written down here. USC, the Crosstown Brethren. Well, here's here's um, what I wanted to say. Oh, Cal, to get, Cal
1: gets them on Thursday. I think I'm probably going to put a little on Cal money line in both games. I both think they games, will get one I get them. one of two. That makes sense. I like yep. that. Or maybe if they get USC, I won't bet the second one and just tuck my profits into my pocket. But the one advantage for UCLA we should mention is that Cody Riley got healthy during their month off. Their starting center, go-to inside score. Having him back definitely helps. So that kind of offsets maybe some of the rust is that upgrade in roster. But yeah, Matt, USC, the other team, an undefeated that's been on the sideline for quite a while. They've got this Bay Area trip. Do you think uh, Stanford can get them? Or are you just kind of like looking yes, to... Yes, I Yeah, do. you do. Of course I you do. do,
2: and I don't like Stanford. Well, I'm sorry, I stubbornly am tied to Stanford like a stuck-on-you type of situation. Even though I don't really want to be, I've just not been super impressed with what I've seen so far. They turned it over a million times against Liberty. I'm still my head banging against the wall because of that. But yeah, I think Stanford's a good matchup for them. though.
0: No, not me.
2: I hate Stanford. <laughs> I don't love them. I don't love them. They suck. They suck.
1: Yeah, exactly. that's why they I understand. like Harry
2: Ingram. Harry Ingram is a, a nice whole ball player. Nice yeah, ball player.
1: Unfortunately, he. Nice playing ball a team player. with no other guards. Sorry, yeah. Michael O'Connell. But yeah, uh, others. <laughs> UConn has not played since December 21st. They're heading to Seton Hall on Saturday. I have Seton Hall circled in multiple different colors, highlighted. I, I mm. think that's going to be an awesome spot for the Pirates. Got Loyola Chicago. It's not played since December 10th. We mentioned this earlier in the episode. They're probably going to Salt Lake to take on the Dons of San Francisco. That's going to be a, a popcorn game for me. I just want to watch those two mid-major powers go at it. It's a throwback bracket busters type game, Kai. Just looking yeah. forward to that one. I'm taking San
0: Fran. Loyola's going to be a favorite, and I'm going to take the, the Donsies.
1: Ooh, Dons, hard. Yep, Hard Dons. Yeah, yep. Dons have been practicing, and we don't know what Loyola right. has been doing. I think they had – it really ripped through their program. A lot of guys had it. Others we want to mention, St. Bonaventure, St. John's, both been off for a while. Bonaventure, last seen getting their asses handed to them by Virginia Tech by roughly 40 points before Christmas. Embarrassing year for them so far this season. I will go so far as to call it kind of embarrassing. They've been bad, and Mm -hmm. it got as bad as it could get against Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. They host SLU on Saturday, a team that we mentioned has been pretty decent out of their paws. Uh, Good luck, Bonnies. I mean, you have a great home crowd, so I think that's helpful, but... I just don't think we've seen the engagement level, even from the five seniors, that you need to have when you are the hunted, as they are.
0: Yeah, I think they bounce back. A10 play. This is their time. I think we see a one or two loss, A10. Conference play for the boys. Oh,
1: one or two losses. Short,
2: short spread bonnies, those situations. Like large favorite bonnies, like they just need to win games. They don't have the killer instinct that they had last year, but they certainly don't want to lose. So I think there's you want to like narrow your scope to games where it's like close to a pick'em spread.
0: All right. I'll say three losses. That was, that was too much okay. earlier.
1: All right. <laughs> last one to mention, St. John's has not played since December 18th. We have it on good authority that they had a bunch of guys test positive too and had a little bit of symptoms going around. They're hosting DePaul on Wednesday. Kai, I'm just going to ask you this. Is DePaul a live dog or are they DePaul? I'm not impressed with St. John's.
0: So if this wasn't, if DePaul was in non-conference play, absolutely, DePaul's a live dog. Right, (laughs) it's Big East DePaul. DePaul just defaults right back to DePaul in, in, in the Big East, man. And until they prove otherwise... I'm not, I'm not backing
1: them. Yeah, I think they turn it over 25 times against Posh yeah. and that pressure. And St. John's is one of those teams that were like, were they even on a pause? Well, no, they're playing Big East Paul. That, that's what's go. going on. Mm-hmm. All right, I think that is it. Any other thoughts, Matt, Kai? Uh, we've got some, some good spotlight ideas in the, uh, in the works that we're going to try to have for you folks coming up in the future. So keep an eye out for those. We will be back every Wednesday morning here on the Big Bets on Campus feed. Please review on Apple Podcasts if you're so inclined. Listen on Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.